I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Some days the sermons write themselves. This is not one of those days. My problem today with the readings is that they're so good is that they, they don't, almost don't need to be preached on because they just hit you again and again. They speak with one voice about this kingdom of God way of looking at the world, which is kind of the opposite of the way the world normally works. So I, I hope I have some thoughts that might add something to that, but it's a bit hard um, preaching into something that is so strong and so obvious on its face. But that said, here we go. Um, I think the heart of my own reflections uh, spring, as they often do, from Paul, who talks about this contrast between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. And uh, Paul was working in a context of both the Hebrew reality and the Greek reality, where the wisdom of those two cultures um, were, were uh, focused on uh, two different things. The, the wisdom of the Hebrews was focused on the miraculous, the, the mighty acts of God. And so for the, the Jews, they would want some proof, some proof from heavenly acts. Uh, and if you've got no proof, then what are we talking about? The Greeks, meanwhile, had their great philosophical tradition, and so they were looking for that kind of wisdom, the, the wisdom of the Greeks, which is uh, the great works of the mind to understand the way the world worked. And so if you don't have a theory, if you don't have something compelling intellectually, then um, what are we talking about? And Paul takes those two starting points and contrasts that with what he understands the message of the cross to be, which is this radical inversion of all the typical values and concerns. And this, this uh, um, in, in contrast to the miraculous concern of the Hebrew culture, Christ died on the cross. He didn't leap off the cross in a blaze of glory and smite all the enemies and institute a reign on earth of, uh, of God's peace and justice. He didn't do that. He actually died. He was the victim of all of the sin and evil that was thrown at him. There was a resurrection afterwards, but first there was death. And um, the, the business of the self-emptying, the, the humility of Christ, the lack of greatness, the... Um, the, um, the smallness, the humanity of Christ um, was somehow in contrast with the greatness of human mental achievements that were symbolized or, or um, epitomized by the Greeks of his day. So to translate that contrast into today's culture, we don't have those cultures that we live in. We're not the ancient Hebrews, nor are we the ancient Greeks. We are modern North Americans. And so the wisdom of this age um, is in no less contrast with the wisdom of the gospel, but it's a different kind of wisdom. And uh, I think the way I would summarize the wisdom of our age is the wisdom of more. Um, security and prosperity, I would say, are, have been the main concerns. Not so much signs from heaven, not so much great philosophical traditions, but just more more of everything, faster everything, more wealth, more prosperity, more growth, more economic development, you know, um, the, the, the kind of world that we have come into in just 70 years where you can, you can go to a store right now in Vernon and get produce from Asia um, without even thinking twice about it. You can just do that. And this world of more 
um, is, is where our energy has gone, where we have functionally believed that our salvation was going to come from. And when you talk about salvation, um, there's your stated theology and there's your lived theology. And the, we know this in the church, those of us who have spent our lives in the church. Um, oh, this is a fun anecdote. Clergy perspective. When you're looking for a job, what do you do? You read a parish profile that the church has put together and say, here's who we are. You want to come and work for us. And all of us clergy that have half a brain go, okay, that's some information, but until you show me your budget, I don't really know what you actually think is important. Show me where the money's going, and I'll tell you where your real values are, right? So you can have your stated values, you have your real values. Our stated values in our modern secular world are peace and democracy and prosperity and all these things that sound really good. And, and, um, and we might even talk about diversity and inclusion and equity as our fundamental values of a modern, pluralistic, tolerant society. But show me where the money is going, and I'll show you where your actual values are. And that tends to be security and prosperity. Never a shortage of money. And, and we've, we're just coming out of, a, of an era of easy money. I've been reading about the tech crash and, and the kind of crazy cult of the founder where you have somebody with an idea and people just throw money at them because they think it's going to be the next Facebook or whatever it is and it's going to make them a lot of money because what, what we really care about is lots and lots and lots of money. Sam Bankman-Fried, the crypto, the whole thing, it's about lots of money. So that's, that's the way of the world. That's the wisdom of the world. And in contrast to all of that, we have the wisdom of God. And so we turn to the gospel and we look at the Beatitudes. Blessed are the who, the meek, the poor in spirit. And, and, and that's, that's even harsher than the, the economically poor. The poor in spirit, the ones that think of themselves as being less than, smaller than, the humble, right? The meek, the ones who are the underclass, right? The ones who hunger and thirst for justice, the ones who are persecuted for doing the right thing, those are the blessed ones. And from the perspective of earthly wisdom and the dog-eat-dog competitive world of economics and security, those are the stupid ones. How can you be so stupid as to go through your life trusting people? That's called a sucker. And I've got all kinds of texts on my phone that arrive with alarming regularity trying to part me from my money because who would be so stupid as to trust something that comes in by way of text saying they're BC Hydro or whatever the latest one is. Um, and, and yet Jesus pointing to that kingdom of God says, blessed are the meek, the humble, the victims, the ones who are taken advantage of by the predators. Those are the ones who are closer to the values that are at the heart of what God made us for as human beings than all the wisdom of the world put together. So the, the thing about the way the world... Oh no, I'm going to do one more point and then get back to the main one. One more little digression. Um, the... One of the saddest things about the history of the spiritual tradition is how we fall into the wisdom of the age so easily. Um, so this is where I jump into Micah very briefly, where 
this is, these principles have been known for a long time. We have an instinctive moral sense which we have always had since we, um, since we evolved from apes. And even probably before that, arguably. Um, there is a moral center that we all instinctively have. We know what kindness looks like. We know what goodness looks like. Um, the, the, the people of Israel were called into that moral way of being and then had fallen away from it so badly that Micah um, took God's part and was calling the hills and the, the mountains to stand as witnesses in a court of accusation where I'm accusing you. What, what do you think really matters about God's relationship? Relationship with you. It's not your sacrifices. You could sacrifice your firstborn, and it's not as important as doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly. So we've known this as far back as Micah, if not before, and yet we still get it wrong. And so, sure, we can look at the ancient Hebrews and go, yeah, they were dumb, they got it wrong, but we know everything now, don't we? Because the church is always awesome. And anybody that looks at the modern-day churches could say, well, of course the Beatitudes are what ring out in terms of where their actual emphasis goes. So the churches are not exempt from getting it wrong, from falling into the wisdom of the world. And particularly in our modern context, we are we're in the shadow of the American empire where so many people who have called themselves Christians have, have put all of their energy and money and effort into power and control and, and imposing their will on society, which is the opposite of the meek and the kind and the persecution for justice and all that kind of stuff. So we can get it spectacularly wrong. And the thing about those, that earthly wisdom, that earthly way of being, that preoccupation with wealth and power and success and security and prosperity, which is how we're wired as human beings at some level, is that it, it creates systems in which we live and work. And these systems are really, really hard to change. Um, they're, they're what's called complex dynamic systems. And so you can, you can raise taxes, you can provide incentives, you can tweak the system, but the system always adapts. Um, when people are living for power and wealth and money, they will find ways around whatever laws, regulations, customs you set in place. So the only way to create a new way of being human is to change the purpose of the system. It's the only way you get systemic change. If the purpose is still to become secure and prosperous, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter what your ideology may be, you will still find yourself in that world of competing for security and prosperity and engaging in all manner of wickedness. That's a great word, by the way. I'm going to bring it back. Um, wickedness. It's, there's this wonderful moral clarity about that word. Um, that, 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 that kind of behavior that we, we are so um, aware of in our world, the, the wickedness of um, bad cops, just pulling a couple of headlines, the, the wickedness of financial uh, fraud, the wickedness of, um, the wickedness of war and genocide. Wickedness. There's, there's no two ways about it. And all of that logic that leads to that behavior is because the purpose of the system and the individuals within that system is for power and wealth and control and domination. And the gift that we have as the Christian tradition, which, is, which Jesus was teaching about, is that 
we can change the purpose of the system. At some level, we have as the followers of Jesus. And our purpose is Micah and Paul and, and Christ and the Gospels and the Beatitudes, that when our purpose changes to the love of the neighbor, the, the sacrificial self-giving for the sake of the other, the, the dying on the cross and rising to new life, becoming a new person, getting a new name in baptism, to, all of that metaphor is geared towards changing the orientation of the purpose of our lives and our life together as community. And everything gets better when we change that purpose. Everything is better. It's better on this side of the grave, and we are told it's better on the other side of the grave as well. It's win, win, win. Except on this side of the grave, there are some losses. Yes, there are. It means we do accept some suffering. We accept some losses, but they're worth it. We can't go back once we've made the shift. So I will leave you with a favorite um, uh, parable of mine about um, a man who dies, and uh, he's going to be revived on the operating table, so it's a temporary visit to the afterlife, and so Jesus shows him around. Um, Well, you're going to be back here eventually, so let's just show you around. We've got door one and door two. So I'm going to show you door one, that's hell. Um, Let's go have a look, shall we? And so he opens the door to hell, and he looks in, and there are these banquets full of amazing food and this incredible feast, and it's just the best thing that you could possibly imagine. And everybody is sitting at the tables glum and sad and angry, and they're all yelling at each other and fighting with each other because at the ends of their hands have been attached, uh, permanently affixed these long utensils that can't reach their own mouth and so everybody is sitting at the table unable to partake and they're trying to flip it in the air and it's just a mess and it's a disaster um he says wow that's pretty bad okay let me show you heaven okay door number two heaven same setup beautiful tables banquet great food and everyone's laughing and joking and loving each other because they're feeding each other same situation, the difference between heaven and hell. And it, if you feed someone else, they could go, ha ha, sucker, more for me, none for you. They could do that. And that's what we live with on this side of the grave. That's, that's what it means to be a Christian living into that beatitude purpose. We take that risk that someone's going to say, ha ha, sucker. But who's the sucker, really? Whose life do you really want? The one that is in constant competition, thinking that everyone else either is a sucker or or I am. The kind of mindset that says, oh gosh, this is a little too contemporary, but uh, um, the the kind of mindset that I understand is very common in Russia, for example, that if you're not stealing from the government, you're stealing from your family. That's a saying in Russia, which goes to the lack of trust in the whole system. That's what comes of a system based on everyone for themselves, and you can't trust anyone, and everyone's in it for himself. A kind of system that assumes that everybody else is stealing elections, because that's what you would do, right? What world would you rather live in? The world that, I'll take the sucker any time. Because sometimes I'm a sucker. Yes, I am. Sometimes I trust too much and too easily. Yes, I do. But as a consequence of that, I've enjoyed relationships and a life that I could never have gotten um, if I had gone through life with the dukes up all the time. This is the gift that the kingdom of God, that Jesus came to show us the way to. And it involves the cross and it involves resurrection. It is foolishness 
to the world, and yet it is the wisdom of God, and it is better than the wisdom of this world. Thanks be to God. Amen.